Hello, my name is Sarah Gabrielle Barron, and you are listening to Radioactive, a podcast about all things nuclear in Canada. I'm coming to you from Nidominissing, or Manitoulin Island, which is Anishinaabek First Nation territory. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Bill. Hello. Um, I'm just going to give you each a bit of a quick introduction, if that's okay. Um, Bill Knoll is a retired professional engineer, um, was an executive officer in a number of telecommunications companies. Um, He's retired with his wife, and um, they bought a 50-acre farm of land um, in Teeswater in 2008. And um, we're going to get into more, Bill, of your personal story of how you got involved in the um, deep geological repository there. Um, Michelle Stein is our other guest with this episode. Um, She and her husband, Gary, um, started 25 years ago with a um, barn, cow pasture. They now have a really successful sheep, dairy, and beef business and custom haying. Looking forward to making it intergenerational with their kids. Um, And Michelle, if you don't mind, um, let's just start with you because you told me a crazy story that I'd like our listeners to hear that is really a window into um, into how citizens are being um, treated by the by the regulatory agencies. So tell me about January 2020. Well, like you mentioned, we have a um, sheep dairy and a beef business, and we were looking forward to the next generation joining in. Our daughter and her husband were actually um, talking about building a house on our farm next door, and we we're going to start um, adding direct to customer. Um, marketing in terms of selling meat straight from the farm and that all changed in January 2020. Uh, One day we were attending an information meeting about this proposed deep geological repository and we had some questions and we were told that nobody knew that if it would ever come to South Bruce and if it did they had no idea where it would ever be and that that meeting's purpose was to just talk about how we would spend all the money that would be flowing into our community if we said yes to this project. Uh-huh. Uh, so the next morning, we were shocked when we learned that the N- Nuclear Waste Management Organization announced in the local papers that they had over 1,300 acres of land for the underground nuclear waste mine, including property on both sides of our farm. So our first thought was to go to the information office and see, you know, maybe we should join in with this project, but we had a few questions and the first one was, what happens if this affects the quality or the quantity of our water, because water bottles is just not a solution for a working farm, and if our animals don't drink water, they don't make milk, and if they don't make milk, I don't get a paycheck. Yeah. That day, their answer to us was we're not at the point of answering that yet. So my husband and I kind of looked at each other and we left that day and realized that either the NWMO didn't have the answers or they knew we weren't going to like the answers they had. So yeah. We- yeah. And so isn't that interesting that you've got this community meeting where nobody knows nothing. And the very next day, there's a huge release in the newspaper that this project is going ahead. So there's right off the bat, some miscommunication and, uh, you would think probably um, intentional miscommunication. So Bill, um, how did you get involved in the deep geological repository planned for your community? How did you find out about it? 
Well, basically the same way um, we saw a flyer come in our mailbox that said, hey, uh, the NWMO, the Nuclear Waste Management Organization, has purchased uh, a number of acres right north of us on the next concession. Uh, we retired to our home here in 2008 from uh, being in the United States. We came back to Canada and thought it would be a a beautiful spot. It's got the Teeswater River running through it, and we rebuilt our retirement home, and, and everything was fine until this January 2020 came up, and uh, I discovered that, holy mackerel, they're going to build a nuclear dump next door to my retirement home. Michelle, before we get started, in our emails, there were a couple of anachronisms I didn't recognize, CLC and SON. So what does CLC stand for? CLC is the Community Liaison Committee. Um, uh. They're supposed to be the organization that's just supposed to present information. They're not, they're supposed to be neutral just so that the community has the information to make a decision. Right. Um, so far, Dr. Gordon Edwards is the only person who has been invited to the CLC who hasn't been promoting the DGR. <laughs> the other, I think we're up to 55 presenters, have either been NWMO employees or um, Canadian Nuclear Safety Commission, but they've all been people who are actively promoting the DGR. Okay, and what does SON stand for? It is the Saugeen Ojibwe Nation. Oh. So the land that the DGR um, project is proposed to be built on is traditionally their land. Right. And with the low-level DGR in King Garden, they were promised that they had final say on whether or not it would be approved. Right. And they voted down that DGR. Right. And from what we understand, they also... Um, get a vote in this decision, but we haven't heard a clear how they plan to do that vote from neither NWMO nor Saudi Ojibwe Nation. have started Protect Our Waterways, No Nuclear Waste. We're going to talk about that a little bit at the end. Um, but Bill, um, let's start with you um, because you are a, um, you're an engineer. Maybe you can tell our listeners exactly where you are on the map. Um, and where it is in relation to Bruce Nuclear Power Station. And with, and then if you can roll into um, what you know so far about what this deep geological repository is going to look like from kind of an engineering standpoint. Okay. Well, we are uh, the site that's been chosen by the Nuclear Waste Management Organization is actually about 30 kilometers from Lake Huron. We're in what you call the Great Lakes Basin, so we're part of it. Uh, we're in Teeswater, which is about 70 miles north of Kitchener, if anyone knows Kitchener, Ontario, and about 100 miles north of Toronto. Um, that's, uh, and we're a very small community. We're, uh, South Bruce is a community of uh, 5,600 people. So rather small town, uh, Teeswater is a, one of the communities, Miami is another, and, and Formosa is the other uh, uh, central uh, community. Uh, Teeswater has actually been in a downward uh, growth situation. Storefronts are empty and uh, no grocery store no, anymore in the, in the community. 
So let's talk about the uh, deep geological repository called the DGR. The whole plan be behind this is that this would be a mine that would go somewhere 700 to 500 to 700 meters in the ground. They would build cavities and cavities are like a tree branches. So it would branch out to a number of, of separate uh, cavities within the, the mine itself. It would cover 1500 acres uh, at the present time. And uh, they would have what the Nuclear Waste Management Organization says, they would have five barriers of protection relative to any leakage of the radioactive material. Now, the radioactive material that's being put in this mine is the nuclear fuel. So it yeah. is, it comes from the uh, generation of the electricity. You yeah, get this. Yeah. Very, we very, talked about that in our last episode with Brennan Lloyd of Northwatch oh, and uh, well, Nuclear then, Free North. So, so I'll just direct our listeners if they want to know about high-level nuclear waste um, to, to go to that one. Um, so right. specifically, this I was reading in some of your documents that this plan is to go through your aquifer before it starts to inter the waste. Have you been exactly. able to see any documentation that shows citizens what that looks like? No, no documentation at all. Because again, what the uh, the Nuclear Waste Management Organization tells you is that we don't know anything specific because we haven't chosen a site yet. Therefore, there is no specific details about about the site. So they have no information that they're willing to share. Uh, yes, and it does. This aquifer, by the way, feeds the drinking water for all of South Bruce, for Maumee, Formosa, and uh, Teeswater. So it's a huge uh, aquifer. In fact, it goes as far as Walkerton. So it's like a small lake. Okay. Um, and, and so it, they're going to go through that. Um, and um, that's, that's their plan. But there's okay. no definitive information. Michelle, have, has your community been given any information about um, the high-level waste that will be interred there? I assume it's going to be the high-level waste from Bruce Nuclear Power. But what about high-level waste from Pickering or Darlington? Are they saying that it will be sent there as well? Yeah, all of Canada's nuclear high-level nuclear waste will be sent to this specific site. So whether it's from New Brunswick, I believe there's also some stored in Quebec. Um, everything will be brought here. And actually, we have we have questions and concerns about that as well, because originally they told us it would be 5.4 million bundles. Um, in their most recent report, they're now suggesting that, oh, it might actually be 7.2 million bundles. So it, we might have to adapt it to make it larger. Um, and since the low level's been canceled in King Harden, questions are being asked, will that be diverted to this site if this site gets approved? Um, and then also in the triennial report, President Lori Swamy of the NWMO talks about how they're discussing with the nuclear industry about the new forms of nuclear reactors. I'm sure you've heard about the SMRs. And so our question is, will those be brought to this location as well? Like, will this become Canada's final resting place for all things radioactive? And at this time, they tell us 
No waste will be imported from other countries. Um, but recently, CBC um, had a, an article on how former Prime Minister Jean Chrétien has been in talks with other countries about importing nuclear waste into Canada. So there's just so many questions being raised that how many changes are going to be happening under these, this adaptive plan that they keep talking about. Yeah, adaptive phase management. I've heard that term too. So, um, so let's just talk about um, maybe just from each of you, if you could each pick your biggest concern about the deep geological repository. I know you probably have a lot of concerns, but Bill, if you could pick maybe your top one or two biggest concerns from everything that you've learned so far, what would they be? Well, the, the issue is that all of the calculations that are done are, are being done by computer-generated figures. There's no DGR existing anywhere in the world. So this is an experiment. And uh, people say they, they're confident that uh, it will be safe. But again, you know, what's the definition of safe? Uh, so there's no indication that they've got anything specific about the, the sites that got no experience. Other locations have failed um, or have had incidents. And therefore, you know, what would make us believe that there won't be an incident at this location? The other thing they, they mention is that there will be releases of radioactive material uh, from the site. There'll be a lot of construction going on because this takes over 10 years to actually construct. And so those people that are living adjacent to the site are going to be, you know, confronted with noise, dots, radioactive uh, material, radon coming into your house. And so those are the biggest concerns is it's the, and also the, the whole aspect of the social impact. So the NWMO talk a lot about the technical safety of the project, but again, they don't talk anything about the social impact that this pro project will have. We're going to bring 700 workers to uh, to this location. Uh, Teeswater being a small town, it has no real accommodation for for this group of people. I don't know whether they're going to come to South Bruce. So the whole issue is is a lot of uncertainty. Uh, it's an experiment. They promise that we're going to see economic growth, but again, that's a promise. It's there's no facts. Yeah, and I bet you, it sounds like you're already experiencing some, it sounds like both of you have already been experiencing several years now of real anxiety around this. Yeah, there's a division within the community. So there are, you know, there's our group, there's another group, and, and then there's the council itself uh, within the community that are all that are for this. Uh, and so this just causes a lot of unrest. And in fact, the, some of the communities that the NWMO have left, there's still division within the community. So they've left an impact where people, neighbors, even family members are not talking to one another anymore uh, as a result of this project.
Michelle, um, with these different players involved, people are talking about um, nuclear waste management organization. um, On that's a huge organization, Um, and then there's um, the community liaison committee. Um, there's AECL, there's CNL, there's a lot of different um, actors and players. And just as a regular citizen, you're a farmer. Um, how do you go about feeling like you can trust or not trust these people? What's been your experience there? I'm probably going to have to say that I don't really have a lot of trust um, in these people. Um, like you were saying, like, some of our concerns, like Bill mentioned, the repackaging plant is supposed to be giving off radiation emissions, but we're told it's going to be safe levels. Um, the Their own reports talk about how the containers will fail because groundwater will cause corrosion, but it'll be safe levels when it you know gets released. Um, when we have the radon coming off of the rock from within the mine, they tell us that'll be safe levels. Um, we'll have the transport loads coming past our our residents um, every day. Um, those will be giving off safe levels, we're told. And my question is, how many safe levels can you be exposed to before it's no longer safe? And at the end of the day, who's deciding what's safe? Um, last year, the uh, International Atomic Energy Agency told the Canadian Nuclear Safety Commission that they needed to update their radioactive um, standards levels because it was below international levels. And I've been reading about some of the decisions that they've been approving. And uh, recently they just approved a pelleting plant for uranium in Peterborough right next to a school ground. And it just makes me wonder who they're protecting. Are they protecting the public or is the Canadian Nuclear Safety Commission protecting the industry? And it's, they're all interconnected. Um, if you look through them, you'll see that this person worked at the Canadian Nuclear Safety Commission and now they work for the NWMO and then they worked here and they're all just, it feels like they're all one big organization helping each other out. And mm-hmm. as the little citizen living next door to this proposed project, It's actually really frustrating when I get a letter back from them that basically says, oh, thank you for sending us your concerns. But, you know, the nuclear industry provides a lot to the economy and we'll only let it happen if it's safe. And (laughs) you really start to feel ignored. And as a farmer living next door to it, the proposed site, uh, we've already had some of our buyers from Toronto We sell direct to some butchers in Toronto, and they've told us that they will not purchase our lamb if we're living next to a nuclear dump because consumers want to know where their meat's raised. Um, Our dairy sheep operation, we've been in discussions with our processor, and they've basically told us they don't know what they'll do if a nuclear dump comes next door. So, yeah, every day as you're sitting at the kitchen table eating and looking out the window at the site, you wonder what's next. Like, will we have a viable operation in the next coming years?
So let me um just just quickly touch on with both of you. You've you've decided to create an organization called Protect Our Waterways, No Nuclear Waste, and I'm going to have a a, a hot link for that in the information about this um, podcast for our listeners. And in having created like a like a citizen organization, um, Michelle, do you feel like that allows your voice to be a little bit better heard? Um, say through this community liaison committee or, or, you know, are there any opportunities for citizen voices to actually have an impact or do you just feel ignored? I think as an organization, we've been doing a great job of getting information and letting people outside of the community know about what's going on. Um, And We've had opportunities, like we've had protest parades, you know, we've had, when it's allowed, like gatherings to like share information. But at the end of the day, it feels like the Nuclear Waste Management Organization, Council, um, the county, and even the provincial government, the answer just always seems to be, don't worry, just learn more. We'll make sure it's okay. Yeah. So really, so it's not a two-way street in terms of dialogue. Um, and and Bill, um, are there any plans going forward that you'd like to tell the listeners about before we say goodbye? Well, yes, uh, we we continue to have webinars, which we bring in speakers that have a different viewpoint from the NWMO. So we attempt to educate, although we get uh, labeled as being uh, fear mongers and. Uh, misinformed people, but uh, generally speaking, uh, would really, uh, we're having one on, on July 28th, and uh, it's uh, open to everyone, and so I'll send it to, uh, to you, Sarah, uh, the uh, yeah. announcement of the session, and, and that's the way we, uh, we get people engaged and uh, let people know beyond our own area what's really going on here with uh, the nuclear waste. It's not yeah. not very well advertised. You know, the NWMO would like to keep it quiet, like to keep it within the community. And we're trying to expand as much as we can. Well, another thing that the Nuclear Waste Management Organization keeps saying and they included in all their literature is that they'll only come to an informed and willing community yet we don't have a definition for informed and we don't have a definition for willing and as protect our waterways that's another thing that we're trying to get for the community is we feel the only fair way to decide whether a community is willing is to give each resident a vote and up to this time the council and the nuclear waste management organization are totally ignoring our requests for a vote. Yeah. Yeah. And when you look at the, you know, they're saying that the nuclear, that the radioactive, you know, pieces, (laughs) the the radioactivity, um, the waste, the poison is going to leach out into the, system deep underground slowly over time um and so it's not just your small community that is going to be affected over the next you know ten thousand years um (laughs) good thing they're planning on 
making more radioactive waste with new nuclear. <laughs> I am so grateful to both of you. This has been a really great episode. Um, I will, I will, uh, I will stay in touch with both of you and I will direct our listeners to um, protect South Bruce um, dash N O D G R.org. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. All right. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank Bye -bye. you. Bye -bye.